Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, this is Riggy Ragman, and over here on Stage 3, you are listening to the Pantheon Podcast Network, and now you know why I was never a DJ in a strip club. Hey, I'm Nick DiMatteo, and welcome to the very first episode of Season 6 of Music is Not a Genre. Thank you, as always, for watching and listening. Uh, In fact, on that note, if you are watching, and I'd argue even if you are just listening, you might notice some changes. Uh, We've got a different set here. The sound is a little bit different. The video is certainly different. I've got someone working behind the scenes with me who I will talk about in later episodes, and I'm very excited about that. Now, usually this is the time in the podcast where I give you my spiel for support, and I believe me, I do want you to support at patreon.com slash at music is not a genre, but I'm going to save that for the middle of the episode. It's a slight format change that I'm kind of excited about, and hopefully uh, it'll be a little bit uh, interesting to you too. So instead of doing that now, let's just get right into the episode. And this episode is called The Freewheeling Ketchup Machine Number 5, Wrap-Ups and Upgrades. And I mean, that's exactly what it's going to be. The first part is going to be me talking about what happened in season five, some, uh, you know, additions and corrections and fan comments, especially, which I'm very excited about. And then the next part is going to be me talking about what's coming up in season six on various levels. So let's just get right to it. Now, I have my my iPad here. It's real high tech. You know, so if you see a if you see a kind of an eerie light hitting my face, especially those of you just listening. Actually, if you're just listening and you see an eerie light hitting my face, I would suggest uh, going to your doctor because then you are just hallucinating me. But if you are watching, you'll notice this light. This is how I, I like to save paper. So I'm using this iPad for my notes. So you'll see me look down. You'll see me move my hand. Hi, hand. And the first one is this. So. I have a cousin. He's a distant cousin, uh, although we're closer than distant. And uh, he's been on the podcast before. He's he is a singer songwriter himself and producer and teacher and so many other things. He's got a, he's got his own uh, vineyard, and his name is Jim Costelli. Extremely prolific guy, and uh, we often have conversations on usually on Facebook Messenger or something like that about something that I've put forth in one of my podcasts or you know in some other way musically speaking. And he commented on uh, an episode from last season, uh, Podfast number 10, which was the Time Bias podcast. And I think it's we something like, uh, it's not called Pod 
podcast or something like that instead of podfast. And it was me talking about how we have a bias towards things that we grew up with. And we tend to uh, de-emphasize things that are happening now because they're not as significant to us. We might not be listening as closely, things like that. And so he, he's got some pretty lengthy comments here, and I want to read uh, probably all of them but because I, I think they're really interesting, and hopefully it'll spark a little bit of something in you too. And I'll comment, of course, as well. So, quote, I know I am guilty of this, but on reflection, it isn't the past per se that I focus on, but an aesthetic which just happened to have existed more in that past. In other words, let's say you prefer acoustic instruments to electronic. If nobody used acoustic instruments anymore, then you'd have little choice but to find what you like in, quote, unquote, the past. Of course, people still use acoustic instruments, but not as much. What is going on is there are several musical aspects and parameters such as rhythmic and metric complexity, harmonic diversity, production, sophistication of lyrics, song form, etc. If one's preferences were still practiced widely today, one wouldn't need to search them out in the past, but you'd still need to search for them. Music is supposedly at our fingertips, but knowing what is out there to look for is not easier. You could hear so much more variety in the past, even on a single station, but now everything is super formatted. I couldn't name a single top 10 song from the past several years. I don't listen to much commercial radio stations, so what are those artists doing to reach out to me? I'm likely nowhere on their radar either, so guilty as charged. In quote-unquote the past, say the 1630s, that's some past, people were unlikely to get stuck in the music of the 1620s or 1610s. Music evolved much more slowly. Everything evolved much more slowly. And there was less diversity overall that one did did not have the luxury of getting stuck in the past because on what basis would one do that? Oh, how I miss a certain tremolo that has fallen out of fashion on the harpsichord. So we only appear to get stuck in the past. What we are stuck on are the aesthetics, which for some reason are best categorized in certain time periods they were prominent in. And with things changing relatively rapidly, that is easy to do. The solution would be to cease all change. Nope. Or have all styles continue and thrive, even as new ones develop, so there is always something new one can like of a certain aesthetic. Does that make sense? If time is an illusion... Uh, invented so everything doesn't happen at once, then so is any past one can get stuck in. Is space also an illusion? Invented so everywhere isn't in the same spot? Hmm, everything everywhere all at once. Yeah, this guy's very deep. Uh, Rekka would also say that despite the relatively fast pace of change as opposed to change of pace, what seem to me to certain styles or genres that are a bit stuck? I'm showing my bias if I mention rap or hip-hop, which started as a starkly unique idea and different sound, but for me at least, haven't much evolved since then to hold my interest. Are you kidding? They have changed. But whoever said that is hard-pressed to quantify what those things are. Whatever they are, in as much as they exist, simply aren't the things I'm looking for seeing that genre explore, which are what I'd be interested in. It is rewarding to find new music, as you say, but a very different experience to browsing record stores, which was a ritual I used to do. But it isn't just progressive music and fusion jazz rock that I look for or am hooked by. The last time that happened was probably Steely Dan and Gentle Giant. Since then, college, basically, the bands of musicians I got into were as diverse as Joni Mitchell, Tom Waits, Scott Walker, Harry Nilsson, 10CC, and Alan Parsons Project. They all hail from the late 1960s, early 70s. The newest band I really get into was Radiohead. Sometimes I'll just hear a song I either remember from childhood or am 
just hearing, but from around that time and shake my head and sometimes tear up, not over blind nostalgia, but in really focusing on what I am hearing and thinking, nobody writes songs, chords, progressions, melodies like this anymore, at least that became popular. Jethro Tull just put out another new album, their second after a 20-year hiatus, but with no original members other than Ian Anderson, so essentially he is calling his latest solo albums Tull albums, and Yes has one I didn't get yet. Tull has re-embraced their prog rock aesthetic with changing meters and so on, but Ian's voice is so shot that it has lost most of the charm and sparkle it once had, and it does seem at times like they're going through the motions, checking off the boxes of what makes prog prog, but not actually innovating as they once did, so it doesn't seem as fresh or magical. Also, the production is so modern, quote-unquote, that a lot of the analog ambience from the old recording is missed, as are the whimsical touches like David D. Palmer's string arrangements. I gather, yes, this new album is an improvement over their last one or two, but from what I heard, I shared some comments that it seemed like a similar criticism to Tull, where they abandoned their 9012580 stardom detour and returned to Prague, but without the grand ambition and original effect. The lyrics are the most wanting, with Davidson, the latest John Anderson-sounding clone, who sings lyrics that seem to be AI-generated to sound like the mystical or or incomprehensible fluff Anderson once managed to pull off successfully. The fact that there are no original members also bugs me. How is it still yes? Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house, and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com pantheon. Buyraycon.com pantheon. So you're probably thinking, A, did I take a breath? Uh, B, this this guy really knows how to write, and I would say he does. And C, how in the world am I going to comment on all that? And uh, I'm not addressing A and P. But C, I will say this, too. I tend to have what I would call the opposite knee-jerk reaction to comments like this. And Jim, if you are listening, I feel like I generally uh, engaged you in conversation with this when we went back and forth. And let me tell the the audience here that uh, those comments were interspersed with a couple of my comments. So there were things that Jim was answering that I had, you know, uh, when I was responding to him that I put forth. But I also feel like there's a really good chance that I didn't, I certainly didn't respond to every single point that you made 
And in rereading this, I realized that there were things that I said that you also just said in your own comment. And and so let me get back to my bias, which is I, I'm on Quora, and I mean, Quora can be just like any place else. It can be alternately a very insightful place or just a cesspool of, of you know, people patting each other on the back for having the biases they have. And what I notice, and thankfully it's not everybody. In fact, I just um, read a post on Quora that, uh, about music by somebody who was very adamant in saying the opposite. And and the comment that I'm making is most of the biases of people um, above 25, let's say, are people looking back at another era and saying that that era was better and that the things that are made today are not as good, are not as worthy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And my comment on that, and the thing is why I say 25 is it can happen at any time. I know somebody for whom it, ha- it did actually happen that early where they stopped listening to music, I think when they were like 22, 23. And then that was it for them as far as progressing into the you know, modern era, whenever that was. But there are people again, who will listen to new music into their 90s, you know, uh, and, and I, I think those are fewer but they're there, and that's going to be me because it's always been me. But that bias is very common. And so this is what Jim and I were talking about, that idea that there are reasons why you look to the past and it has more to do with the aesthetic and et cetera, et cetera. And I think he's right that it, it, it's sort of this paradox of music is more at our fingertips now and you're able to find almost every single thing that you would possibly want to find. There have actually been a couple of things that I was unable to find online that I've looked for, but very few and far between. But that because there's such a plethora of music and it's not being fed to you, the things that are being fed to you are the same as, you know, when the Clear Channel era started in radio, which is that it's whatever the programmers think you might want, whatever, based on your demographic. And then even within that, there's a narrow band of the song choices and all of that. And so what you'll end up doing is having to really, really search out for the things. Now, my argument here, and by the way, if you are just listening, you will hopefully have noticed no change at all. But if you are watching, we had to switch cameras out in the middle, which is this is one of the cool things about trying new stuff and like, you know, making upgrades. And rather than do an entire, you know, you know me, I tend to be like a one take, you know, one and done person. So rather than make this an experimental week, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm bringing you behind the scenes. And as a matter of fact, this is a perfect time to tell you that uh, there's going to be a, an extra, uh, I'm calling it an M extra uh, episode, uh, a mini short that's only going to be for my Patreon people that is going to take you behind the scenes as to, to what the new setup is and what some of the old setups were too, which is kind of fun. You'll get to see that if you're on patreon.com slash app music is not a genre. So anyway, sorry for that commercial break. I just wanted to let the people watching know that that's what happened because even though I enjoy uh, editing video, I don't enjoy it that much. And, and so you're going to notice that change. So let's get back to where we were with Jim's comments and where I was picking up uh, and hopefully it's there's a you know i've i've made the continuity here that is that my argument is that it's easier to search online than we think it is uh i think that idea of there's everything out there and it's overwhelming can sort of impede us from even going there 
but there are ways to search that make it easier. And I think one of those ways is knowing your search terms. And and I always try to pick the word, the most unique words for the things I'm looking for in the most unique combination, which helps uh, pre preemptively filter out things that you might not want. I mean, you'll get some of those anyway. And so for you know, for example, it would be like 2020s progressive rock bands that sound like Yes or something like that. Chances are there's somebody out there probably a younger person who got into the older bands like Yes, who's made a list of, wow, you know, I'm really into Yes, and then I heard this band, and you'll find them and you'll listen to them, you know. And then comes the real hard part, which is you need to be open to receiving what you are hearing in the same or a similar way as to when you were younger. And that's not easy. You know, we, we know that as we get older, in many ways, we tend to close off. We tend to default to the things that we are comfortable with, that we know and love better because it's easier and because it's there and because you can always discover new things from an era that you love. You know, as though Jim talks about aesthetics, and I, and I do think that's true. There have been plenty of times where I've been like, oh, I was really into uh, In Excess or... Oh, I don't know, uh, Duran Duran or or somebody from the 80s or, or late 70s, early 80s. And then I saw an article that said, well, this band was also there around that time. And then I got into that band or something like that. So that's always a possibility. That's something that can happen. But I I like to do my best to be open to new things. And that takes discipline. It takes the willingness, first of all, to listen to something more than once, because there have been plenty of times where I've read an article and it said, oh, it sounds like this, and I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to love this, and I listen to it once, and I'm like, eh, but here's the thing. When we remember old music, we remember it as what I call in one, which which means it comes to us as all just a, just a one global memory of that band or that song or that album or whatever it is, or even that era. And we forget that it probably took multiple listens uh, to the band, to the album, to the song, to whatever, before we really, it really hooked into us, before it really sunk in. You know, I say that all the time about rec music, my band, uh, rec, recarea.bandcamp.com. And that is that, yes, I do make music that is initially accessible. Most of what I do uh, has that, uh, you know, first impression of it's easy to get into. But that's deceptive in a way because there's a lot, there are a lot of subtleties and things that are woven in there that you might not get unless you listen to it two, three, four times. And that's when something hooks you. There are times where things hook you when you listen to them once. But more often than not, even if it's a hit single, we've had to hear it multiple times before it really sank into us in a way where we're like, oh my God, I absolutely love this. And so we, we sort of dismiss out of hand anything that's new because it doesn't grip us the first time we hear it. And I'll give you a perfect example. Uh, another person who's been on this podcast, Steve Erickson, who is a writer, he, he's a critic, he, he does music as well, but he writes about music and about film, just told me that he was asked to revise a review of an album by the editor and prior to revising it had listened to it a couple more times, and it changed his opinion of the album. Not drastically, but enough that he had a more favorable opinion of the album. And I am going to tell you that that is true for almost any kind of music you can think of. I think all kinds of music. The more you listen 
to rich music, to good music, the more you're going to get from it, the more it will sink into you. Repetition, the power of repetition, a rec song, right? And so that's that was one of the points that I made before the <laughs> after the camera shut off for the first time that I wanted to make sure I re-emphasized. And that led me to saying uh, that that was all I wanted to say about Jim Costelli's comments, except for that I do agree with him that there are certain older bands uh, who try to recapture the magic of their classic era, which in some ways gives me a thrill because then I'm like, oh, they stopped trying to do, you know, things that aren't in their wheelhouse. Uh, Although I, I appreciate bands who try to do that and do it well. Uh, or even if they trip up and then keep going and, and make something into it. But if if it doesn't have that spark and that immediacy, it might be because they're relying too much on the old sound and aren't bringing new elements and new ideas into it, which is where you want a band to be. You want them to take what they've learned and use that and then take something that exists now so that it feels like they're living in the now. And I would say that bands that have a few, if any, personnel changes and who have consistently created music and released music are the ones that are able to revisit their old sounds in a dynamic and and fruitful way, as opposed to bands who take years and years off and have multiple personnel changes and then try to recreate it. There's going to be something slightly repetitive and cookie cutter about it. And I think that's what Jim was referring to. So now let's get to the next uh, comment. And and let me just uh, preface that by saying um, none of the other comments are going to be as long as, as what, uh, you know, Jim and I uh, did together. Uh, so I hope you enjoyed my recitation of everything that he said and, and the answer. Uh, the next comment is for uh, season five, uh, episode 38 which was my episode on The Cure right after I had just seen them in concert. And it's just something I wanted to add, which is I was always blown away by the amazing acoustic guitar work on Head on the Door. And that can be overlooked, I think, because it's what I would call punk acoustic guitar in that it's like super, super, super fast and just chords. It's not some flamenco where somebody's doing intricate passages and all of that. But you listen to the effectiveness of Robert Smith's guitar playing, and I saw him play this on stage, and just to be able to play that fast, and I did a cover of it, and I can't remember if that's the one I added to the end of that episode, but, you know, whatever, and was thrilled to be able to play the acoustic guitar that fast and have that kind of dynamism to it, and I just wanted to add that to it, that we think of The Cure as the Friday I'm in Love or as the Dark Goth or whatever, but the... That acoustic stuff, is that can really blow you away. Uh, the next comment is uh, Jimmy Pop Zombie on YouTube commented on my live rendition of Prince's song Mountains, and he said, well done. So thank you, Jimmy Pop Zombie. I appreciate that. Again, I've mentioned this before because I think someone else commented on this song, but it's, it's, I like to highlight more obscure songs from, from very popular artists or excellent uh, songs from more obscure artists. And so in this case, it was the first one with Prince's Mountains. It was just me on piano, barely rehearsed. And so thank you, Jimmy Pop Zombie. The next comment, also on YouTube, was by IndieColt7773. And it was for actually an old episode, uh, Season 3, Episode 7, on Matthew Sweet. Uh, IndieColt loves Matthew Sweet and says that McCartney seems to be the standard 
to be able to move from genre to genre along with Bowie, as as I said. And I'm not sure if I had said that in the Matthew Sweet episode or a different episode, but uh, I, because I think this person may have watched more than one episode. But I mean, yeah, anybody who's going to go right back to Matthew Sweet, I'm pretty excited about. And anybody who's going to talk about uh, artists being able to jump from genre to genre, I'm also pretty excited about. Indie Cult 7773 also said for season five, episode 40, which is the part six of the Beatles, the, uh, he, ma- he made a comment about Rock Lobster, or he or she made a comment about Rock Lobster and Yoko Ono, how Lennon and Ono were at Think Studio 54 and heard Rock Lobster, and that inspired her to create uh, Kiss Kiss Kiss. And I think that person, Indy Colt, may have heard me say it was the other way around, but I just want to clarify that, that yes, Rock Lobster came out before Kiss, 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 and you can hear the similarity in the style of Kiss, Kiss, Kiss and Rock Lobster. So just something interesting to point out. Uh, also on the Beatles... A guy named Eric Nash, who is the host of Almost Famous Minute and the, and the co-host of Feels Like Weezer, two excellent podcasts. I met this guy through the Pantheon Podcast Network. He sent me a song breakdown of all of the Beatles songs, 200-some songs, with tons of info, including who sang lead on what. And there, it was very rich in information. Thank you, Eric. Uh, I, I had a lot of that information already, but to put it all in one place was really helpful, and I appreciate it so much, especially considering uh, the cover band I'm a part of, Prefab 4, is getting ready to do a uh, big concert series at a theater in Florida in October, or in November, actually, beginning of November, and uh, the more I know about the Beatles, the better. That's going to help out, right? So next comment is uh, an old uh, an old friend of mine, Tom Kirk, uh, and I think this was on Facebook, and he was talking about Season 5, Episode 45, which was my Metallica episode, right after I had seen Metallica in concert, and specifically sent me a video uh, of an interview with Kirk Hammett, talking about guitars and learning and gear and how Kirk is inspiring by not just what he says, but what he plays or vice versa, whatever. Uh, Tom said, some guitars you look at or pick up and they just have a vibe. I don't know as much as you. As I play more, perhaps my feel will gain some depth. I primarily got mine via mail order based on the look. I'd really like to get a Gibson someday. John Sykes has, I think, a 1978 Les Paul Custom. I love the look of it and the sound he gets. And uh, then he went on to say, uh, Tom, got a cool app called Guitar Gravitas 2 for all kinds of resources and tools. Something a little bit better about it when it's a little rough around the edges. Uh, I saw a place, uh, well, let me, let me go back. So first of all, fully agree that when you discover a guitarist or anybody who speaks to you, you get inspired by them. For me, it's usually vocalists or songwriters, but it can also be production values. And speaking of production values, when he, Tom says uh, something a little bit better, when it's a, you know, a little rough around the edges, I couldn't agree more. And I even said to him, I do that in recording where I try my best to take the first or second take because it has the energy there. Uh, and, and I may do comps. I may redo and redo if there's something I missed, but it's me going to, you know, try to recapture that initial energy and or let a mistake stay in, which I've done so many times now that it's become part of my style, my band Rex style. Uh, He went on to say, I saw a few places online where you could buy tracks. 
I got to get more up to speed with using MIDI files in a, in a DAW, Digital Audio Workstation. I probably get more use out of my Korg, too. I don't currently have anything except Adobe Audition on my Mac along with GarageBand. Of course, probably for my level of GarageBand is fine for now. Uh, so that is just him saying he wants to get more into recording and that, you know, using backing tracks to help you learn how to play a part, I think is very valuable. And I also think that being, you know, more old school and having taken lessons from real people in real situations, I always overlook the fact that you can learn so much on YouTube about skill and shortcuts. And I think shortcuts are super valuable if they work for you. So I appreciated that uh, conversation. Uh, then Steve Erickson, the guy I mentioned earlier, re, uh, regarding gatekeepers for genres, especially metal and hardcore and, and such like that, and how there, uh, he said that there are apparently five subgenres that denote uh, death metal mixed with progressive metal. I found a list that was 10 of them, uh, of which I believe the five you know he was talking about were a part, and they are melodic death metal, technical death metal, old school death metal, progressive, brutal, blackened, death doom, death core, symphonic death metal, and brutal technical death metal from a site called The Top Tens. So look up The Top Tens. They have good lists there. And, I mean, you know I agree with that, just that, that, that the, you know, it's always boggled my mind that people who say they are a fan of something become so narrow-minded about letting anything or anyone into that club that they even often dismiss albums and songs from bands that they say they're a fan of. And to me, I, I don't fully understand it. I understand it to a certain level in the sense that I used to be the kind of person where if I loved a band and you didn't, I got offended which might sound weird to some of you or it might sound like you, you totally understand it because I made that band such a part of my identity that I assumed if you didn't like that band, you didn't like some part of me. And I think that when you identify so much with a band or a genre, you, be, you feel threatened when something new comes along that you think doesn't fit, which is exactly where the destructive power of genres lie. Now, I've told you before, I, you know... There are things about genres I secretly love. I love the classification. I love being able to say, well, this sounds like this, but it also has a little bit of this or whatever else. And I do see that the the shorthand of genres is important. But if it's going to be used for purposes like that, for people to say you're either in the club or out, then I would just as soon do away with all of them, uh, just to be completely blunt. Uh, Then uh, I think this is the last fan comment. Yes, uh, Luke Money. Sorry, I wish it was Luke Money. It was a guy named Luke Mori on LinkedIn. Said, great to connect. I got a chance to check out your YouTube channel. I love what you're doing with your podcast. I couldn't agree more with you about the harsh labels we put on music. And in my opinion, the world is so, 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 so negative about not only music, but everything that comes out. Not only fans of the same music, but people who like different types of music coming from out of the woodwork to talk about how bad something sucks which is just trolls. I'm not sure if you've seen the show Ted Lasso, but in one episode, the main character Ted makes a point about how not enough people are curious in this world and they're so quick to judge. I really appreciate the idea behind your podcast and the enthusiasm and respect you have for music. I'll be sure to check out a few of your episodes. First of all, Luke, Maury, thank you so much. And please spread the word. Any of you out there, if you love this, 
send it to people. I'm sure there's an episode of something where you're like, oh my God, my friend really loves George Michael or whatever else it is, or British hip hop. Send that episode to them and, and help thread this because you know how much I appreciate that. And and yes, I mean, obviously I agree with Luke Mori. I appreciate his mention of Ted Lasso. I do remember that comment. And the idea that not enough people are curious is exactly what I was talking about with Jim Costelli's uh, body there uh, of comments, which was you have to be willing to be open to new things in a way that doesn't feel scary or threatening or to over, overcome the fear or, or fear of threat or whatever it is that's holding you back from being open because the, on the other side of that are rich rewards and, and newness and re, you know uh, revival and also some very similar and familiar feelings that you had about older music so just be open, you know, and I think this is a really good time to take a break. And this break is going to have that special thing that I talked about at the beginning of the episode where it's me like, you know, doing my pitch and my spiel. Uh, and I'll do that later and I'm going to insert it later. It's a little behind the scenes. So we're going to be right back after after this. Hey, so I was going to do the usual and just list all of the links that I'd love for you to check out, but I realized that everything you need to know and everywhere you need to go is at nickdematio.com. That really is the hub. I list all the links in every episode just in case, but nickdematio.com is where I put everything that I do. If you want to know more about this podcast, whether it's the audio version or the YouTube version at youtube.com slash app music is not a genre or wherever else the podcast shows up, or if you want to support the podcast at patreon.com slash music is not a genre just go to nickdomadio.com it's all there if you want to check out my full discography of original music and covers for my band rec rec and beyond it's at nickdomadio.com including all the streaming and social links for wherever you listen to music and wherever you check out your soch uh, my acting clips are there my voiceover clips are there graphic design my blog and most especially it's the best place to contact me if you go to nickdomadio.com slash contact or just hit the contact is on every single page, you can send me a note, say hello, ask me any questions you'd like. You get a newsletter a few times a month. And if you have a project of your own and need work done for it, whether it's audio editing or music or voiceover or graphic design, or if you have an event and you need live music, go to nickdomadio.com, contact me, say hello, let me know what you need. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. Let's get back to the show. Okay, we're back. Did you like that? I have no idea what it is because I haven't done it yet, but uh, hopefully it worked out and, you know, there was probably music underneath it or something. I don't know. That's future me. So now we get to the second part of this uh, podcast, which I would imagine is going to be a bit shorter than the first, and that is what's happening in season six. And the first thing is some things that I already have plans on, so I'll list those. And and they are, uh, I'm going to be doing another Beatles episode, uh, part eight, bands that have been influenced by the Beatles, genres that have been influenced by the Beatles. It's a tough one to research because it's vastly more than we could ever imagine. So uh, that's why I've put it off a little bit, but I will be doing that. I won't say it's the last Beatles episode because I always seem to think of something else. I'm also going to continue the history of albums decade by decade, starting with the 1960s. I put that one off too because I thought that was a little too much to squeeze into the end of season five. That takes a tremendous amount of research because that's when albums exploded. 
So I'm excited about that, and I'm, I am going to go all the way through every decade as far as what how you know what happened with albums in each decade. What what were some of the great albums or significant albums, and what has changed? You know, in that way, I'm going to be doing a techno episode focusing specifically on Depeche Mode and New Order. Uh, I'm going to spotlight Beck. I haven't done a Beck episode because that is the one person, an artist, people consistently say wreck sounds like, and it's a coincidence they rhyme. Yeah, okay. But, um, and I understand why, and I'd like to flesh that out more in that Beck episode. I will have some other guests on here, including Steve Rosen, author of the book Tone Chaser about his friendship with Eddie Vedder. I'm reading that book now, and I'm very excited that I'm going to have him on later on. He seems like he's been a great journalist, music journalist throughout the years. Uh, I'm hoping to have Robert Schneider on from Apples and Stereo. We are connected on... um, on what is it Facebook and I met him after the premiere of the elephant six movie and hopefully he will say yes to that uh, I might have uh, an old friend Pete Bradis on who uh, wasn't able to do the interview when I asked him a year or two ago but I, he's in a different place now and hopefully he will because he wrote an amazing book called unstrung heroes about lesser known guitar gods which would be a perfect follow-up or precursor to the Eddie Vedder episode and hopefully oh and i'm going to do continue the back talk series with steve erickson we're all working on a new topic right now and i might even have jim castelli on for the back top i haven't asked him yet jim if you're listening if you can think of a topic we can talk about let's do that and hopefully hopefully i'm going to have more in-person talks that's something that's been that was of course not impossible to do with covid now that that's sort of on the wane it would be great to have people who are in the new york city area come to this studio such as it is and have a talk in person because those are always a little bit more fun some music is everything uh topics uh that are those are my think pieces uh my enticing titles there's no such thing as a heyday uh yin secretly loves yang is this the state of music today uh fake band music so that would be like bands that were created for tv shows or movies which ones hit the mark, which ones were just echoes of what they were trying to be, you know, et cetera. The one four progression, anybody's into chords, understand that. And uh, is first best always best best, which uh, I might actually talk about with Steve Erickson, I'm not sure yet, and so many more, including ones I haven't even thought of, partly because you might think of them. And as a matter of fact, and if you listen to my, you know, mid, mid-roll mid spiel, whatever you want to call it, uh, you know that on patreon.com slash, slash music is not a genre, you can suggest topics for episodes or guests, and I will do my utmost to put your suggestion at the top of the list. As opposed to anybody, you can all suggest things, but if you're on patreon.com slash music is not a genre, you get dibs on future episode topics. And uh, so that's that for what's coming up this season. Hey, folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72 and other sought after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica report. And you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, 
you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. Uh, And then let's talk about the new features since here I am sitting in a new area, really in just a new area of our apartment, but uh, this new setup, and it's kind of exciting to me. Uh, And so let's talk about that first. And like I said, if you're on Patreon, you're going to get to see a bonus video of what I call the M Extra, uh, which is me kind of giving you a mini tour of this is the very second setup I ever did for the podcast. The first one was a place we don't live in anymore. This is the third. This is the fourth. This is the this is what the current setup looks like. It's a short video, but it's a nice bonus. It's a really fun behind the scenes thing. So I hope you are on Patreon so you can check that out. And you get to see exactly what the parameters are for everything that we had set up here in the equipment and all of that stuff. Uh, that's I'm going to be doing at the end of every single episode uh, a bonus like that, the M Extra like that. And uh, it's I was inspired to do that by another podcast I listen to. I'm sure a lot of them do that. And it's exciting for me because, first of all, it's a lot shorter. But second of all, it gives it gives something to my lovely Patreon family that nobody else gets. Uh, I'm doing the MXG Minute, which hopefully if you've been following me on social or even on YouTube.com uh, slash at music is not a genre, you've seen literally all uh, vertical vids, minute or less, me usually talking about, uh, hey, here's a question for you about the topic of this week's episode or some other thing, maybe about rec. Uh, you're going to see me performing more music at, at a certain point uh, rather than just give you a recording which i'm still going to do there may be episodes where i do a cover of the band that i'm spotlighting or an original that fits that mold um and then i might do an on location uh if we're able to do that at some point go to a club or go to somebody's house or something else and do an entire episode on location which would be fun which, of course, brings me to the last part of every episode, and that is the song I'm going to spotlight for this very first one of the very first season. Uh, I'm sorry. I have no idea what I'm saying now. Uh, it's the very first episode of season six. I'm spotlighting a song called Standin' There, which was the title track of an unreleased EP that I just released on a compilation called 9695, which includes EPs from 96 and 95. And it was the title track... And to me, I chose this, first of all, because I'm not sure when else I would use it, but second, because it is the quintessential song for both looking back and moving forward in that it is a look, it's from the 90s, so it's looking back. But when I finished that EP, the reason I didn't release it was because I thought it sounded like an old version of what I wanted to do. So then I did another EP, which sounded much more like where I wanted to go with my music. So it's like the perfect representation. Well, this episode was about looking back to season five, looking forward to season six. This song was about looking back to where I had come from as a pop artist and where I was going, looking forward to being more of a, a, a you know power pop rock alternative artist. And uh, the lyrics are you know, use that uh, term "stand in there" in multiple ways to talk about the you know the two people who have a contentious relationship and who's going to make the first move to go towards the other person and blah 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 blah. And there's a lot of piano in there because I came from piano world, 
Uh, I I think that you'll en- enjoy it and consider it a retro song because that's where it comes from. But I did slightly remaster it, so hopefully it's in good condition. And you can stream it anywhere. And of course, there will be links as always. And uh, you know, what do you think about season five? I, I asked you this in the M- uh, in the MXG minute. And what do you want to see for season six? You can tell me even if you're not on Patreon because I love everything about your feedback because as always my objectives here our music conversation and connection thank you for hanging with me for this very first episode of season six and go to patreon.com slash music is not a genre for the bonus video and i will talk to you next week standing on the other side of the bridge waving hello you're gonna come over Shake your head and wave back All smiles Isn't it just like you Say we're gonna be
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.